COVID-19 edition of Surf's Up, a Beach Boys podcast safari. My name is Mark Dillon, author of 50 Sides of the Beach Boys, and I am here today with my partner, Phil Migliorati. Hello, Phil. Hello, Mark. Good to hear your voice. Excited to be uh, with you for this interesting conversation today. And Phil, I might add, uh, runs the Pray for Surf podcast. Um I'm also very excited about today's show because we have a very special guest, and that is uh, Jeffrey Cushing Murray. I'm sure many of you will recognize that name. Jeffrey was a rising singer-songwriter in the late 1970s who ended up co-writing four tracks with Carl Wilson and Dennis Wilson on the 1979 L.A. Light album, including fan favorite Angel Come Home. He has quite a story to tell, and we're very happy to have him with us today. Hello, Jeffrey. Hello. How are you, Mark? Bill? I'm, I am good. Thanks very much. Yeah, me too, Jeffrey. Good to meet you and looking forward to the things that you have to share with us. <laughs> How are you doing amidst all this uh, coronavirus craziness? You're sequestered at home in Los Angeles, right? Yeah, well, you know, we we have been for quite some time. In fact, we, we, we've taken a trip uh, in uh, late February, you know, where we went through like three different airports, four different airplanes, and both of us uh, came home sick, you know, well, so... So we started, you know, sequestering right away, you know, because we thought, you know, we didn't know what, exactly what was going on, except we had runny noses and productive coughs, if that, and no fever. So I guess we're all right. That's good to hear. It's uh, it's, it's a tough time for everybody, and in, including in the music industry. Ugh, yeah, I'll, I'll say. Uh, some of these are, well, the Hal Wilner, you know, like, a very close friend of ours was a very close friend of his. So that's like, you know, one degree of separation, you know, from, you know, somebody that you're reading about. Ugh. Yeah, it's very, very sad. I'm afraid there's going to be more, you know. Well, let's uh, let's have a little digression and talk about some uh, some of your memories from a very interesting period in, in Beach Boys history. And, and, and maybe first a little bit about your own story. So you were born uh, in Pleasantville, New York, originally. And you were saying you grew up in Puerto Rico, not far from where Carly Munoz lived. And to anyone who doesn't know, Carly was uh, a keyboardist touring with the Beach Boys throughout the 1970s. And he also went on to uh, co-write songs with Dennis. Yeah, that's that's right. Yeah, he lived in Ocean Park, and I lived just, uh, you know, the next little neighborhood over. Um, it's a small world. And, and the, the, the strangest thing uh, is him mentioning Jack Riley, and that Jack Riley was there at the same time, too, and how, you know, how my path never crossed with uh, Jack Riley, um, you know, growing up in Puerto Rico is kind of interesting because, you know, you know, longtime residents of Puerto Rico, you know, people who are there all the time and, you know, are Americans generally knew of each other. Um, it's just just so strange. And I, I, I guess it would have been really nice to have, for me to have a chance to talk to Jack Riley. But um, he was an interesting character. I, I, ima I imagine so. You know, Carl spoke of him, uh, you know, a little bit. I really and I, you know, I enjoyed his work for sure one of my favorite uh, Beach Boys collaborators. So, yeah, who would have thought Puerto Rico, a hotbed of Beach Boys collaborators? Yeah, exactly. You know, and I, I lived on, you know, I lived on the beach, you know, like front yard was sand. Um, you know, so I was actually a beach boy. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Well, how, how much did their music mean to you before you ended up working with them? Well, you know, you know, Carl and I, you know, I, I did have a, you know, a, a, a conversation with Carl, you know, where I said, well, you know, it's really interesting that I'm here. I, you know, I, I, I grew up with the Beach Boys. And Carl's answer was, yeah, so did I. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Um, no, I was familiar with their, you know, I, I, you know, like I, I devoured music. And, you know, of course, I like the Beach Boys stuff, but, you know, especially the early stuff. I guess I was, you know, as aware as anybody. It just seemed kind of strange, you know, that, you know, the, the beach was in California and I was on a beach in the Caribbean. Um, it, there was no surfing in Puerto Rico in those days. But I went back and forth to the States also. I, it, you know, I spent, um, I was sent away to school for, you know, a few of those years. I went to a military school in Pennsylvania for a couple of years. 
Um, so, you know, I was exposed and stuff like that. When well, did you start getting into writing your own music? Well, um, it wasn't until a whole lot later, you know, probably after I, you know, after I got out of the service and was in the, was uh, at UCLA is when I, I started thinking about it, you know, and finally somebody asked me if I wanted to be in a band and, you know, I said, okay, yeah, I'll do it. You know, I, I had been in a band when I was like 15 and I'd taken singing lessons and, you know, sang in choruses and stuff like that. So, you know, okay, I'll do it. I'll, I'll get in a band. And my girlfriend at the time said, what are you crazy? You know, <laughs> here you are like 20, 25 or something like that. And now you're going to be a rock, you know, a rock and roller. <laughs> you know, I was studying English at, at, at UCLA at the time, you know, and I was thinking about, well, you know, looking, well, I'll be an English teacher, you know, because that was pretty much what it was, you know, for English majors. And um, I was really close to one of my my professors and I, I wrote poetry, you know, uh, snobby kind of stuff, <laughs> <laughs> right. you know, yeah, real artist, real no chance of ever making any money you know, <laughs> writing poetry. And and, you know, the, the you know, talking to that professor and, you know, I said, yeah, yeah, I think I'll go on and, you know, go to graduate school and all that. And he said, yeah, don't do it, you know. Most of the kids who are coming here, you know, it's for a place to park their car. You know, you should do something with, you know, with your talent. And and studying English, you know, I I got uh, interested um, in in rhythmic stuff and you know rhythmic notation and stuff like that. You know, like um, an ambic pentameter, that kind of stuff. All that, all that crap. and you know there's the it's you know the english major stuff you know the the greek grammarians had no real application to to reality you know and and i was exposed to ezra pound you know who said if you want to you know if you want to know about music you know about uh uh, notation you know scanning you know look at the musicians they have all the answers right and so you know, I tried to get into some music classes at UCLA, but they wouldn't let me because I didn't play an instrument. Then I started to, you know, started to write really bad songs. <laughs> you know, it's a, you know, and I kept at it and find, you know, uh, you know, I was a struggling, starving artist for, for quite some time. So, um, Jeffrey, do you consider yourself equally uh, in terms of? lyrics uh, as well as uh you know writing the melody the song line or is one easier than the other for you um harmony is like a mystery to me um you know putting chords together you know and see you know it's like a mystery to me i you know i've dealt with people who you know who could read the fly on the wall you know who you know like the the guitar player in my final band you know, he went on to be a music professor, you know, so okay. these guys had, had all, you know, all the theoretical knowledge that you could possibly want, you know, and I, it was like a mystery to me. Mm. Uh, now, melody, melody was, came to me naturally, you know, and um, that, that's my, my participation in, you know, in the songwriting was melodic, you know, when people refer to me as a as just a lyricist you know it's not really correct (laughs) although i did you know like like the other song that i'm known for outside of the beach boys there's a melon camp cover of one of my songs where i i did write the music you know and actually put chords together and, and i learned how to do it you know but i still don't have that kind of instinctive understanding of it and i'm you know Still trying to figure it out. So that song I should mention is called Hot Night in a Cold Town that John Cougar Mellencamp covered on his platinum-selling 1980 (laughs) album, uh, Nothing Matters and What If It Did. And that was the only song on that entire album that he did not write. And I, I read a quote where he said that he would just be inundated with demos Oh yeah. Most most of which were were quite forgettable, but but yours really stood out, and that's why he decided to include it on his album. 
Yeah, I have that. I have that demo on a two track someplace, and that's about all I have that you know that's you know of my own recordings. Now, the Steppenwolf did a uh, well, John K. You know, the John K. Steppenwolf did a a, a version of it. Um, you know, I, I digress into my you know non Beach Boys area, but uh, it. I'm very unhappy with the, the, the Mellencamp version because he screwed up the best line in the whole song. <laughs> you know, somebody transcribed from the demo, you know, they, they couldn't find me for one thing, which is how I got to keep the publishing on the song. <laughs> uh, um, and, and they transcribed it and the, the line was supposed to be um, a Mexican wind blows in breaking the hold angelinos have on their halos mm. and, and it came out on his record and uh the mexican wind blows in break yeah, something or other about angelina's hairdo <laughs> <laughs> oh no <laughs> yeah wow uh, and so it's like there it is that that record you know it's platinum you know like a lot of people heard it and you know I, you know I, hey, hey please somebody my best line butchered Oh, well, Jeffrey, uh, now we'll know. Everybody that listens to this podcast will know. (laughs) (laughs) Setting the record straight. For many, many uh, musicians, writers, uh, aspiring people. I mean, that that in itself, that accomplishment, uh, getting, you know, John Cougar Mellicamp to record it. I mean, that would have been a career. I mean, so I I think that's kind of cool. Well, yeah, there is, you know. There is a story that I'll be happy to tell you. It's not Beach Boys, you know. That's all right. Um, I pl- I opened for him at this place in Los Angeles called Flippers. It was a converted roller rink, and it was uh, Mellencamp and the Naughty Sweeties and me. It was the night that John Lennon was killed. Oh, oh, that was, that was brutal. But, you know, we were told, no, but don't, don't say anything. Don't say anything, you know, because we had a full house. But in the sound check, you know, I went in and um, I'd never met Mellencamp before, you know. And so I'm standing next to him, talking to him, the sound check. It's just, you know, really, really loud. Right. And so I said, well, so who's going to do the song? And he pointed at me. Right. And. Apparently, uh, he said, not you. (laughs) 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 You know, I, you know, I I missed it, you know. Yeah. So, oh, I'll do it. So, of course, it it was his opening number, Mm -hmm. you know, a long extended version, you know, with a big opening introduction. And and he was like after, you know, I didn't see him afterwards, but. Uh, my manager did um and he was really pissed off that i did it wow. you know and I, i'm i'm thinking geez man come on you know john lennon's been killed and that's what you're worried about you know right. um and so they wanted me to on the next record which was a breakout record really um you know they wanted me to do something you know for it submit something and ah, fuck it I didn't, <laughs> you know, I mean, I was, it, then, I mean, the next night, you know, we were booked at the Whiskey A Go-Go and um, showed up and, you know, one of the guys was drunk and another one, you know, was like pissed off because he, he, he had to miss out on a session with Aretha Franklin and, and four people showed up and that was my last show. Wow. <laughs> that wow. was, a, you know. That was it. And Great. so that, that song came out in 1980, right? So that was, that was a little bit after your Beach Boys yeah. uh, work, right? Yeah. yeah, that's when I was a hot shit. <laughs> I was a hot property then. Jeffrey, I, an interesting chapter of your life, too, if we could mention it, is, is the fact that you served in Vietnam. It's interesting how you associated a lot of your memories with songs. And I was going to ask you this question. I thought maybe it's a dumb question, but maybe it's not. Was anybody listening to the Beach Boys in Vietnam or was Good Morning Vietnam lying to us? I, you know, I don't I don't remember really. Um, I, I, I don't remember, actually, you know, like in the last part, I remember Let It, uh, Let it Be. You know, that, that when I was just before I was getting out, 
um, uh, Let It Be was a big song. But uh, yeah, Eric Burden and the Animals, uh, that was a big popular one. You know, we've got to get out of this place. Right. Um, for, for me, um, the, the theme song was uh, in my head when I was in trouble was Jimi Hendrix, you know, a uh, waterfall, you know, nothing can harm me at all. Right. I hear that in my head all the time, you know, um, and basically, well, yeah, everything to me, uh, rela- there's a song for, for everything. It's, you know, it, 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 they're in my head. So your entree into the Beach Boys was through Billy Hinchy. I'm wondering, I know Billy Hinchy, I believe he went to UCLA to study film, did he not? Is that where you guys I- met? That is correct. No, that's not how we met. Um, we, I had a girlfriend who had a younger sister uh, named Martha Nestle. Martha Sweetie Nestle. Sweetie Pine Nestle. Um, <laughs> and that's how, I, that's how I met Billy. You guys were dating sisters? We were dating, yeah, dating sisters. He, he eventually married her. You know, um, They were great girls and sisters um and i can remember actually billy sitting over in their parents living room meeting uh ricky fatar and blondie when they very first came over um uh, to the states so very early 1970s is what we're talking yep. about yep and then you know i mean i saw you know he came to see i was by then I was in a band, right? You know, so Billy was not a very good band. I mean, it was, you know, it was sort of a novelty band practically, but, you know, the only place anything got recorded was on Dr. Demento and I wasn't even singing. Uh, but, right. <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, but Billy and I, you know, remained friends. And of course it was a long time after, you know, that, uh, um, that the entree actually came about, you know, it's an interesting story. I mean, that brings us to um, the angel, angel come home uh, deal, uh, <laughs> where um, you know my the, the the woman in Angel Come Home um, that I you know I'm and relates to me my current wife, um, you know, she thought that I was not really very aggressive about um, promoting my, my music. You know, I'd knocked on doors and, you know, you got bad reactions from people, you know, like, I don't, you know, I don't hear a hit here. I don't hear, a hit, you know, people who couldn't carry a tune in a suitcase, you know, <laughs> would, be, you know would be rejecting me, you know, and it was tough. And, you know, I didn't, I didn't have much stomach for do, you know, for doing that. Um, and, and she, she was, uh, you know, she was having some success in her career, you know, which film and TV. And, uh, so that sort of led to our breakup and she moved to New York. Um, and finally, you know, maybe 15 years later, we got married. It was a long, (laughs) I love a happy ending. Yeah. I, well, I tell people the story, you know, I mean, it was like one of my stock stories, you know, how, how that went down and oh, how romantic, you know, it really is. <laughs> it really is. So, but there well, you, have- you know, that, that part in the song where it goes, uh, we'll grow closer together by being apart. Whenever I hear that, I'm like, no, it's not going to end well. This, this is, <laughs> like, you blew it, man. It's over. So it's good oh, to no, know that it, in reality, there's a happy ending to this. No, it, it, it did end well. I mean, um, you know, like I like, you know, some of the people who, re- you know, there are some people who really like the song a lot and, you know, refer to it as like, you know, awesomely painful. <laughs> And of course, it's, it, it was a really painful period for me, um, but um, you know, it, it finally, you know, finally worked out. I mean, it was it, it, it worked. My favorite part of the story is, you know, my re- the revenge factor of it. Right when you know, after you know, playing the reluctant bride uh, in terms of uh, you know, like you know, Billy Henchy, come on, get you know, 
he's right, you know, take him, make him, make him take this stuff to, to, to Carl. Come on, you know. Uh, and I, I said, you know, just like you mentioned about Mellencamp, that, you know, they're not interested in somebody, you know, they can't even take, take unsolicited demos or, you know, and I, and I would never would have thought to ask Billy to do it. Right. Uh, you know, it just was not the way to get, you know, not the way to actually, you know, I mean, I knew what I was doing. Um, you know, that was not the way I was going to get stuff to Carl, you know, it had to be asked for it. Right. And, and eventually Annie and Billy were, you know, who had heard the material, they, you know, took it to Carl. Um, and, you know, the rest is history, I suppose. So, so Jeffrey, what did they take to, to Carl? It's the song Angel Come Home, I know that. But, I mean, was it the finish, so-called finished, at least in writing, what we hear? Or um, No, no. Uh, what, they, what they took to, to, um, to Carl was my material. Um, songs that you know that 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 I've been doing for however many you know for however many years that they, you know kept getting kind of rejected and and I un I understand it because they were already <laughs> you know like I, like one song was a you know that I wrote about somebody getting killed on a on a, tr a drug trip to Mexico. Uh, Sounds like had, something Dennis might write. Yeah, that had that had Spanish lyrics in it, right? Part of it was, uh, part of it was in Spanish, and Marty Ballin from Jefferson Airplane wanted to do it, um, but his management said, "Nah, we can't have a we can't have a song with uh, with Spanish lyrics in it." So that was the end of that. But I had other other stuff that just you know, they, you know, they were really good, but you know, they weren't commercial. Yeah. Um, Maybe Hot Night in the Cold Town was, you know, commercial, and as it as it turned it out, turned out to be. But that was one of the one of the demos. You know, we were we recorded. I worked with these guys, um, who who I'd met um, through. You know, I forget exactly how I met them, but you know, they were they they were the guitar player and the bass player on Show and Tell. Uh, by Al Wilson, right, and, and they worked with Jerry Fuller. So Jerry Fuller, um, I, I don't know if you know you know who Jerry Fuller was. Yes. Well, well he ran CBS uh, for a while, and and he also wrote Traveling Man. He you know he produced Show and Tell, uh, the famous uh, God didn't make the you know Little Green Apples, uh, and so he was the first person to sign me to you know take me out to lunch and. And sign me, you know, sign, have sign away some songs, and we did demos for him. And then there were other stuff that we did later that I worked with Littlefield and and uh, the bass player Dennis Parker in a funky little studio on uh, eight track studio on Melrose, where we made a bunch of uh, of demos. And you know, Carl wasn't going to do any of those songs, of course, you know, but he was interested in. In working together so that's so, so flesh that out a little bit i mean um you know I, I i'm always interested in knowing how two artists collaborate together i mean and certainly in beach boy life there's the different styles if you will of brian wilson and some of his earlier collaborators and tony asher and then ben parks um how did it work for you did you bring uh a melody to him? Did, no, did, no, no. How did that work? No. Well, the the first, you know, well, you know, we socialized a bunch, right? And then finally, you know, went into his piano room in his place on Stone Canyon in, in Bel Air. And, you know, go into the room and, you know, I said, well, uh, okay. You know, he started playing something. And I said, well, what do you want? You know, I mean, what, what are you looking for? Because God, I had no idea what to do, really. And and Carl said, I don't know. It could be anything. So there is a demo, an unreleased Beach Boy or Carl Carl and I song that's out there, um, called "It Could Be Anything." I hated it, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> I hated it, and and um, um, 
I wasn't aware that anybody really knew about that song until uh, um, I was in England. You, you ever see the name James Crowther, the British uh, Beach Boys fan? Yes. Um, yes. And he said, well, here, I got a version of it. I, I have it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have it. And I said, what? You know, so he had like two different versions of it. Um, but Alan Boyd apparently had, had uh, discovered it someplace in the, you know, in the um, archives. It's, it's not, you know, it was like, I was, you know, tr really trying to be, okay, so let, let me try to make this as beach boyish as I possibly could, you know. And there's something about little children and, you know, everybody's happy and, you know, uh, and I'm happy to be doing anything as long, you know, it could be anything as long as I'm doing it with you. You know, that was the hook. And um, it never got released, and it's probably a good thing. <laughs> but good to know about it. That's interesting. Yeah. I mean, so Carl, Carl basically would play, you know, play a chord progression. And, you know, uh, then I would uh, work, uh, you know, work out parts, you know, uh, lyrics and melody and stuff like that. It was, you know, collaborative. Um, you know, and I had done a lot of a lot of that kind of stuff where, you know, somebody would, you know, like have an empty track, um, you know, and I just which was based the 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 only extant example of that kind of thing is the Dennis Wilson song. Love surrounds me where, you know, the the backing track was completely recorded um, with no vocal. And. um they wanted to, you know, Gersio, uh, Jim Gersio said, well, you know, here, here's the track, you know, go do something with it, you know, and I did. And um, no lyrics, it can't, just the track. No, it, you know, it had Love Surrounds Me. Okay. The title, it had a title. Title. You know, so, you know, I went and I, you know, worked by myself on it, right, and presented it to Dennis. Dennis was, you know, Dennis <laughs> is a very interesting character. Um, he, he was reluctant, you know, hey, hey, who, you know, what are you, you know, making me do this? You know, this get, person is telling me what to do uh, in my song, <laughs> you know. But, you know, he went, you know, he had uh, some confidence um, in my skill because of Angel Come Home, which had preceded that, that job. Um, so, you know, he went along with it and, and I think it turned out pretty good. I, I just like to mention to those out there that, that don't, uh, appreciate the significance of your contribution. I, I did some think work on this and for an outsider to come in and write four songs off a Beach Boys album, that had not happened since the days of Tony Asher on Pet Sounds and Van Dyke Parks on Smile and Smiley Smile. Like Jack Riley did a little bit, but he never did four songs on an album. So so Carl must have had a lot of faith. He must have been really impressed with your demos for, for you to all of a sudden, you know, have this position of importance on, on, on the band's songwriting. And I also just want to say, when I first picked up this album about 10 years after it came out, and I looked at the names and I saw Jeffrey and Cushing Murray all over the place, I, I was like, who the heck is that? And I, <laughs> I, I honestly thought it was a pseudonym for Murray Wilson, perhaps relating to some songs that he had done like in the past, because huh. he always had these pseudonyms like Reggie Dunbar or whatever. Well, well, you're not the only person who uh, had that, you know, who thought that I'm moving around a bit here. Um, you're not the only person who thought that, you know, I, like you're looking I'm reading a review, you know, I've never been reviewed hardly at all anywhere. And, um, you know, it sounds like a pseudonym to me, you know, it, it's an, it's kind of an unwieldy name in any case, but, uh, yeah, it sounds like a pseudonym. And I thought, well, geez, that's great here. I make my big breakthrough and people don't think I'm real, <laughs> but, um, Mark, I'm glad you brought that up. Cause I've also looked at the, the track lineup. There's only 10 songs on this album and, uh, short and bridge there, but I mean, it's almost four four songs is almost like half the album with this kind of album. Uh, so yeah, I'm just affirming, uh, Jeffrey. I think this this is really significant. 
And maybe, uh, let me try it this way. Take a step back from your songs specifically. We can go back to them. We've only really talked about one or two. But what was the 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 zeitgeist of the Beach Boys uh, as they were trying to put this album together? Because I see Carl's name more than normal uh, as writer, lead singer, uh, Dennis. Uh, I see one song by Mike, one song by Al. And then good timing, which uh, had been you know, really thought of before. So I'm mm-hmm. trying to tell you what the answer is. I'm just noticing this is, I don't know, Mark, is there any other album that has this kind of uh, Carl and Dennis uh, quantity of leads uh, and songs? Yeah, I, I was thinking the same thing. But I mean, it certainly does hark back to that era of, of the, the guys working in silos, like everything up to Holland, really, like that 1960 uh, 68 almost to, to oh. Holland era where, where they seem to all be working, uh, quite separately. Like, I don't think Mike was around very much from what I understand. Like, yes, he did Sumahama and he, there's some vocals in there, but, uh, yeah, it seemed like this, this was, uh, more Carl and Dennis than we had been used to. So yeah. Jeff, what, what was the, I would say, yeah, it was, it was, it was Carl, you know, it was pretty much Carl. It was their first record for CBS too, which was a big deal. Ah, uh, okay. Um, yeah. You know, they just signed that signed that deal, and and of course, the 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 whole thing was kind of dominated by that by the disco. Uh, Here comes the night, which mm-hmm. which pretty much sank the album. I, I you know a lot of people a lot of people think, you know, the, that the you know the fans turned away from it because of, you know the they yeah. didn't think that the Beach Boys should be uh, aping Don, uh, Donna Summer. Although I, I, I always liked Donna Summer. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> so, but, but Jeffrey, were, were the guys talking about this? I, mean, I don't know if you were in any group meetings or however they did things. Back no, oh, no, no. I'm basically, you know, I, uh, I, you know, I was Carl's guy pretty much, you know. So, and, and you know, they were at a, be- you know, it's always, it's always kind of a weird circumstance because everybody wants Brian. You know, everybody yeah. wanted, you know, and Brian was not having it at all. You know, he was not in good shape. Um, you know, he would show up, um, you know, very rarely. Um, uh, you know, and they did try, you know, they did make some effort to, you know, say, hey, Brian, maybe you might like to, you know, write with this guy, you know, he writes, writes with your brothers and, you know, uh uh. No. You know, he just wasn't having it. And, uh, you know, he would, you know, he if I was in the room, he would walk in and, you know, walk right out. <laughs> you know, he didn't he, he didn't even want to he, he, he didn't even want to look at me. So, um, Jeffrey, does that make you the Yoko Ono of the Beach Boys? I mean, what? <laughs> no, no, not not at all. Not at all. I mean, just he, he, he was like, you know, and in, in probably his, you know, really bad you know bad shape there was all the landy crap going on you know that really high drama yeah uh, and dennis wasn't even all that you know involved because you know like his stuff had been done out outside of um you know the you know the 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 album management you know by by carl and and bruce and kurt betcher um yeah, those Dennis songs were intended for his follow-up uh, right. solo album, Bamboo. Yeah, right. So they, you know, they wanted to get him involved, and Carl, Carl, especially. That's you know one of the reasons why, you know, much to my surprise, you know, Carl decided to have uh, Dennis sing "Angel Come Home," which was fun. <laughs> I don't know how much different it would have been, you know, like. Probably. I think I think that choice uh, is brilliant. It but it, it, it's been it's been written that Bruce uh, came up with that idea as the producer. No, nah, it's Carl. Oh, okay. Yeah. But 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 Dennis's croaky, pained voice seems yeah. to fit it like a glove. Oh yeah, no, it worked out just fine. And and the <laughs> there's I, I I may you may have seen the story elsewhere. You know where um, they. Dennis had never, you know, when it came time to record that song, Dennis had never heard it. Yeah, he didn't have any, you know, <laughs> he didn't know anything about it, right? But Dennis was, you know, kind of shy and, you know, I, I wasn't allowed in the control room. I had to sit outside on the steps. 
um, you know, while he was doing his performance. And, you know, Carl, Carl would, you know, have to come out and say, well, how does that part go again? And they go back in, right? And then he'd come out a little while later. How did that, how did you do that again? <laughs> yeah. They go back in, you know, and it, you know, it worked out, you know, pretty seamless. Well, I remember um, when I bought the album and listening through it and, you know, good timing is a Beach Boy vibe and Lady Linda, a little different, but, you know, same. Full Sail, uh, great song you guys wrote. Different, but, but still, it's about the ocean, sailing. Yeah, and that was, a, that was you know, that was um, a, some something of an attempt to uh, conform. Yeah, um, Beach Boy feel. But, yeah, but we can go back feel. to that. But my point was that when Angel Came Home came on, I mean, that that kind of knocked me back. Uh, Dennis on the lead, what you guys put together in the song, um, it was like, this is the Beach Boys. It's their album. But wow, what a distinct sound, at least to my ears. It was they hadn't done anything like that before. Well, you know, my wife told me to be humble, so. <laughs> I, I think the only aspect of that recording that sounds dated is is when Carl sings the angel come home. It seems to have a processed uh, feel to it, makes it sound like the Bee Gees. I think it was even recorded in a, was it recorded in Miami where the, where the Bee Gees no, no, had recorded? No, no, it was at Western. Okay. Um, and that's why in a way sometimes I, I like the live version. I think it's that, Western, that you, yeah. Okay. The live version that was on Midnight Special. It was amazing, first of all, that they did that song. And uh, it's a very uh, kind of raw and very effective performance. Yeah, that's yeah. I mean, he sure he, he sure looked raw. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, he yeah, those were hard times for Dennis as well. You know, he had the whole Christine McVie thing going on and Yeah. He wasn't around, you know, he wasn't around much. What think, about Christine McVie? How, how involved uh, was she with this album? I mean, she's oh, singing that, on Love Surrounds yeah. Me, is she not? Yeah, they, they came in and added that. That was like sweetening. I never, I wasn't even there for that, you know. Um, and for, because, uh, you know, the vocals, all of those vocals, um, well, I guess I couldn't say that about Angel because I had to sit outside the, the, um, sit outside um but it was just me and the me and the singer you know and an engineer so i can actually say well i produced carl's vocals <laughs> you know <laughs> it just it, and, and and i i actually did you know when we we did some of them and i, I remember uh, you know agursio coming to me and saying you know it doesn't sound like you know, because I, I was well, Carl. Yeah. Oh, that's good. That's really good. Fine. And then we played played it for Gersio, and Gersio said, "You know, it doesn't sound like he really knows the song." Ah, and it was, you know, it was like a um, a rub, revelation to me. You know, like, yeah, you you know, you got to go for something more than, you know, boy, that sounds good. You know, you <laughs> there's there has to be some other quality to it. You know. So, so Jim Gersio was pretty actively involved in, in the production of that album? Yeah, he was around a lot. Okay. I, mean, I, I always thought that his, his contribution was really the good time and track, which was already old. Uh, he played bass on Full Sail. Hmm. Um, you know, and I, 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 you know, I, I like Jim Gersio. He was very supportive of me. Very supportive. He actually told my, you know, at the, at the first Carl Wilson uh memorial show you know yeah cancer you know, you know he, he told my wife that i was an artist you know that that you know, that's all i needed to you know like a <laughs> a you know, you know like the, my life's uh, certain parts of my life's effort you know uh christine mcvee by the way named angel come home on her 10 desert I, island discs uh a few years I, back I saw that and I was very gratified. No, they came in afterwards and and, and did, uh, uh, you know, and put on that part at the end uh, that I had nothing to, that I wasn't involved with. Um, <laughs> Christine McVie, and I, I only met her 
uh, once. And it was backstage at a, at, a, uh, at a Beach Boys concert at Universal Amphitheater. And uh, my, I was with my mom. Carl and I had gone out to dinner with my mother, and she'd never been to a rock concert and stuff like that. And so we're backstage, and she, my mom's all impressed with, uh, you know, gee, look at how they've got all this stuff set up for them back here. Wow, this is really grand. And then she spots my mom was, a, you know, a very artistic woman, you know, and sewing, you know, uh, needlework was, you know, part of it. And she spots Christine McVie and has no idea who she is and walks over to her and starts handling her crocheted vest. <laughs> Mom. Mom, you're embarrassing me. Boundaries, Mom, boundaries. Yeah, right. You can't go up and start handling Christine McVie's clothing. You know, but Christine didn't mind at all. She was fine. Certainly a lot of crossover between the Beach Boys and Fleetwood Mac at that time. I mean, of course, Fleetwood Mac were hugely popular at that time, but um, Mick Fleetwood Zoo covered Angel Come Home in, in 1983, and uh, Fleetwood Mac put a cover version of Farmer's Daughter on, on one of their albums at the time, and of course, Lindsey Buckingham has always sung the praises of Brian Wilson, so just a lot of, a lot of interesting overlap there. Yeah, um, yeah, the, it was in the early days of MTV, I guess it was, right? Uh, and Fle uh, Mick Fleetwood Zoo did a, did a, did that version, and they did a video, and somehow or other there were cowboys involved. I, I'm, you know, <laughs> I'm not really sure how that how that came about. But um, <laughs> another part of the the angel, my, my personal thing, my you know my wife worked um, you know making television commercials. So we, this is like in the interim period when she was dead to me, right after um, after our breakup. Um, and she t told me the story of her being in uh, in a hotel room with some girlfriends at the Beverly Wilshire Hotel, and on comes the video of Angel Come Home, and she's too embarrassed to tell her girlfriends that this <laughs> was about her. <laughs> oh my! Yeah, that should like, be a great point of pride. Uh, huh? Should be a great point of pride. Yeah, well, that was like the revenge factor, you know what I mean? It's like, uh-huh, yeah, you thought I didn't know what I was doing, did you? <laughs> yeah, but then it had to be such a shitty video. Um. <laughs> what did that song mean lyrically to Carl? Because sometimes it's written that this had to do, I mean, obviously Carl was going through marital problems, yeah. and, and a lot of people assume that, that that is what the song is about, like his breakup with Annie. Well, you know... The impetus of it, you know, because Carl had some changes, right? Some chord changes. And he had the, a vague idea of, you know, his wife had been uh, in the Philippines w with the kids. And, um, you know, Carl's idea was uh, something like, honey, bring the angels back home. That's, you know, that's. And I, I took it from there. Oh, wow. Great I, I, story. Thank you. I mean, a, a lot of the stuff, you know, our songs, you know, were, were about um, being in a certain kind of emotional either stasis or flux, one or the other. I'm, <laughs> you know, it was, mm -hmm. you know, troubling times, you know, emotionally, I guess, you know, especially for Carl, you know, and I, um, so I, I attempted to, you know, incorporate that kind of stuff um, in the, um, you know, like Full Sail is probably more about Carl than anything, um, you know, and, and where he was in his life, you know, going through certain kinds of changes, right? But, no, you know, nothing really, nothing really changing, uh, but just being kind of stuck in a in a place that you wanted to get out of or move on from and that's where you can actually hear me singing hmm. that's it took a long time for people to suss out who was singing in the bridge of uh of full sail but eventually eventually it came out that it was me <laughs> very cool and carl yeah so and I also got some credit for some oohs and ahs, and I was not really a very good harmony singer, as people, you know, people who know me and have worked with me will 
stop singing the melody. You know, I'm supposed to be <laughs> singing the harmony part. I would just gravitate towards the melody. Oh, geez, you know. So give me like one ooh, and I was okay. <laughs> but, you know. So, Jeffrey, uh, you know, there's the recording sessions, uh, all stuff, you know, the flurry of all that. And so the album is, you know, mixed, it's gone to press how did i mean how did you feel what were you, what was going on for you through this i mean any beach boy fan who is is more than just a concert going person i mean would love to have been in your shoes for a, a you know a, a tenth of that what was going on for you as it's about as this thing's about to be released you know I, I i was you know on top of the world i mean there there was one night i was sitting uh with some friends and um uh, well, Bud Scapa was one of them. You know who Buddy is, right? I'm sorry. Bud Scapa. Yeah, I, I looked him up. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, he, he's like my, you know, my closest friend. Um, and we were sitting there and, you know, that's when I got a call to uh, go out, to be flown out to Nederland, you know, to Caribou to work with uh, Carl. Uh, and that's, that's, that's where um, we wrote uh, Going South. A and when we were done with Going South, that was like the high, high point of uh, my, you know, creative and, and, you know, like I said, okay, this is it. You know, this, this will, this song holds up and it holds up forever, you know, and, and that is Going South was Carl and my favorite song uh, of, the, of the album. And so the feeling that when I got the call to go there, you know, and went through the roof, right? You know, like, I'm, I'm being flown first class to go, you know, to well, Colorado. Carl, pick me up, take me there. And then, <laughs> wow. <laughs> like you say, that, that week was, the you know, really the high point. The rest was like, well, oh, this, is, this is it, you know. Um, I, I, you know, I, I've accomplished... You know, I've accomplished what I, I, I set out to do, you know, like when I when I said, OK, well, I'm you know, I'm not going to be a journalist. I'm not going to write for newspapers. I'm not going to be a critic. I'm not going to be an English teacher. I'm going to go be, a, you know, and all I could hope for was, you know, making a making a mark. You know, so, yeah, if you can imagine that, you know, it's like, you know, like winning the world championship or something. You know, I'm talking to you today because of it, you know, so. Well, you you, you know. did well, and congratulations. Yeah, I mean, it was, yeah, mind-blowing, mind you know, meeting people, you know, like Priscilla Presley at, a, you know, some at the, you know, rap party kind of thing. Yeah. That's okay. <laughs> yeah, you know, gee. And, and all manner of stuff. Um, but, uh, you know, that was it, you know, through the roof. You know, yeah. Any, uh, any so I, I was not, you know, I'm not an ambitious person, really. You know, I mean, I, I, I just wanted to be able to write. You know, if I could write, you know, I had the, the, the feeling that if I could write one really good song, that all the bullshit, everything, uh, would be worth it. You know, w worth all the the stuff that went into it. If I could just do one, you know, it was was really good and then you know it was it was worth the doing of it and and so i did that and of yeah. course that probably ended the whole thing four times on that album yeah. you know, to some degree you know like okay i'm you know i climbed that mountain and then you know and it was rarely heard from again well before i ask you to go down that path just real quickly any chance you have an idea how did the the motif of the album la light album those postcards. Uh, oh, they were cute. That was nice. You know, I mean. But, I mean, any idea how it got named or were you, you know, hearing nope. that kind of stuff? Yeah. No, I, no, I don't. No. Oh, okay. I think I recall it being a Mike thing. Uh, it was a transcendental meditation uh, reference, was it not? Possibly, yeah. You know, Mike Love, um, he was not around, you know, very much. Uh, I mean, he did, you know. I would run into him occasionally. He never knew who I was. You know, every time I say, I'm Jeffrey Cushing Murray, you know, I, who, you know, I like, who? Yeah, I had no idea who I was. So that, you know, my wife said not to say anything bad about anybody, but, you know, maybe he was just forgetful. 
<laughs> so well, the al- the album uh, came out just to put some numbers beside it. Uh, it reached only number one hundred in the U.S., although it did considerably better in the U.K., where where the Beach Boys were always more warmly uh, received. It went to number thirty two, mm-hmm. generated a couple of charting singles. Um, here comes the night. Surprisingly, made it to number forty-four in a, in an edited version. A lot of people would be surprised to hear that. I think, uh, good time and did a little bit better than that. It went to number forty, and in the UK, surprisingly, Lady Linda Lady was Linda top was... ten. It went to number six. Well, there you go. <laughs> I, you know, I, I don't know. Lady Linda was okay. Good time. It was okay. I, you know, but but I, I don't think that they're really, you know. I guess my uh, Carl and my stuff was like, you know, hard in in a sense. Yeah. You know, they weren't feel good. They certainly weren't feel good songs. Um, you know, Jeffrey, as I listened to them and with Love Surrounds Me, although that you know Dennis really initiated that, but the, those songs could have been for his so, Carl solo album. I mean, I I'm glad they're on the Beach Boy album and there's Beach Boy stuffish around it, I guess, but. Uh, it, it it does seems like his signature with of course with you in in tow with him. Yeah no uh, yeah they do seem like a like you mentioned earlier like a separate part you know of the you know kind of blocked off from the rest of the record but everything was kind of blocked off from here comes the night you know which was a you know a big deal. Yeah. How about how long was it eleven minutes or something like that? You know, I, I did some math on this. Yes, it's 10 minutes and 51 seconds. And I mean, I think it's it's technically pretty impressive. Oh, I, mean, yeah. I, th- I think it's it's a it's a good sounding recording. It's got some good vocals, but it just goes on for forever and a day. I calculated that you could uh, listen to In My Room, Surfer Girl, Shut Down, Surfing USA <laughs> and Surfing Safari in the same time. <laughs> I mean, it was impressive to watch. They had all the Donna Summer people, you know, uh, Kurt Betcher, that's where I saw him, you know, that's, you know, did it over on Coenga uh, Boulevard in the Engelbert Humperdinck studio. You know, a lot of musicians, you know, I tell you, well, that's where the, did a lot of the work on going south. You know, one day I walked, you know, we got a session and there's like 40 musicians in the studio. Wow. <laughs> oh my, oh my God. <laughs> what did, look at this. I was like, whoa. Um, and then, if you listen to Going South, there, there's the middle section where there's the, you know, the oohs and ahs. Well, the, there had been a big string part in there. And, you know, Carl, um, you know, we weren't, <laughs> Carl, look at what do you think? And I said, gee, I don't think the strings work there. You know, and I, I felt real sheepish about saying it. And then, next thing you know, Okay, that's it. Take those strings out of that part. You know, we'll just do um, backing vocals, and I, I think it was the right decision. But I've, I, you know, to me, you know, like where you know any studio time prior to that was like, let me add it. You know, I'll do anything to get in the studio, and then to say, well, yeah, forget those 40, 40 musicians. Uh, just have some background vocals in there, and uh, you know, whew, it was that was different. He deferred to you. Well, yeah, Carl. Carl was a wonderful guy. I mean, you know, we had a you know really, yeah, you know, like I knew, you know, I met some of the other guys. Al, you know, hello, how are you? You know, and Dennis. I spent some time with Dennis. You know, but Dennis was pretty wild, as as Billy Henchy and and Carl would say. Well, hey, Dennis is quite dramatic. <laughs> that was that's how they referred to Dennis as like, being dramatic, but. Yeah, Carl and I had, you know, a pretty intimate relationship. Um, but, you know, going south, um, uh, he he didn't think that, Carl, Carl didn't think that he could sing that song, right? He didn't, he didn't think, <laughs> at, in the, you know, as I presented it, you know, as it came out, you know, I sang it to him. He didn't think that he could do it. Now, now Carl Wilson's like one of the best. <laughs> yeah. 
singers of all time. You know, I mean, rock, you know, I mean, you look at the Rolling Stone, you know, uh, top vocalist, you know, and the, the Brian's up there over Carl. No, no, Carl, much better. You know, Carl could sing anything, you know, and he said, I don't know if I, you know, so humble, right? You know, that say to me, I, I, I don't, you know, I don't think I can sing that as well as you. And I, I, are you kidding? You know, but he did. So it's all, you know. That's the kind of person he was. He was just uh, like Angel, come home. Hey, well, let's hey, let's go over to brother. You know, which can you get a drummer? We got Bobby Figaro and then Dennis, my my bass player, and some other people. And that's when and we cut the you know the the basic track for Angel, come home at brother, and had it in, you know had it had it uh, ready to go. But. It, it, <laughs> to me, <laughs> going down to a state-of-the-art studio at the drop of a hat, you know, was bewildering to me. You know, like who had started? I started out my whole thing with a TAC four-track, you know, bouncing, you know, bouncing stuff back and forth, you know, and coming up with you know, okay songs, you know. <laughs> it was, oh well, it was a great experience. Yeah. yeah. It's just funny. It's it's such a hodgepodge of an album when you have going south sitting next to shortening bread and baby blue and and here comes the night. Like that's one side of the album. It looks all very uh, disparate stuff. And I, I think another problem with with here comes the night. It just came at the tail end of of, of the disco phase. You know, like if they're going to do this, they should have done it a lot earlier. I think. And uh, you know. July 12th, 1979 was a significant night for a couple of reasons. On one hand, I'm at the Montreal Forum as a 10-year-old kid seeing my first Beach Boys concert <laughs> and, and probably hearing Angel come home because it was on their set list at that time. Uh -huh. So this, this cemented me as a fan forever. But at the same time, over in Chicago was Disco Demolition Night, <laughs> you know, where if, if Disco was yeah. going to die, this was the night it was going to happen. Yeah. And, you know, the Beach Boys had come out with their song just a few months before that and, of course, got booed at uh, Radio City Music Hall, I believe, when they played it so it just uh among other things was unfortunate timing yeah i, I know and then you know like shortening bread was kind of thrown in there you know to you know to try to get brian uh involved you know and you know, but, you know he did that that was you know i mean i don't know why but <laughs> you know who i, I guess it made people happy you know made brian happy he was happy to do it i mean the, the happiest I ever saw, saw Brian was uh, some studio over, you know, some little funky little studio. Uh, Carl and I went to, you know, poke our heads in. And there was Brian um, with a full band working over Romeo and Juliet, you know, just like Romeo and Juliet, that what? song. And Brian was like as happy as could, you know, just like, what? wait a minute. You know, that's what he liked to do is like to play around with, you know, he, he was happy to do that rather than have to be, you know, uh, the artist, you know. Well, well Short and Bread was that song. He liked to play at his parties. He liked to get everybody, uh, Alice <laughs> Cooper and, you know, Danny Hutton singing parts. Like, this had been his game for, for many, many years. So uh, I guess uh, it made him happy to finally put it on an album. Yeah, I, you know, but... I, it just well, some of the stuff didn't seem to fit, and I, you know, I'm not going to carp. You know, I mean, because it's that's why you're talking to me today. Yeah, and I guess the second half of what I said earlier about the the, the chart performance, it might not have hit at the time. And Dave Marsh, you know, of Rolling Stone, like slammed it, and and Robert Criscow was kind of cool on it. But it is an album that because of certain songs you know, including the ones that you wrote has, has stood the test of time. And I know at least one hardcore beach boys fan that maintains it's his favorite beach boys album. And I know others that say that? it's, um, Eric anniversary anniversario, if I'm pronouncing his name, right. He does all the set lists. Uh, he, he posts a lot online. He does. Oh, yeah? well, so he's, he's like an expert and he has posted that that is his favorite, uh, his favorite album. And I know others that, that consider it one of their favorite albums. So, you know, it's an album that might not have gotten a, a, a super warm reception, but it has, it has lasted. Oh yeah. I mean, I look around, you know, 
uh, and, and you know, there, what what really gets to me is like when some somebody in their in their room, <laughs> you know, uh, is doing a YouTube version of Angel Come Home or going, you know, and they're out there, right? And it's just, it's just whoa, you know, the, the song um, meant that much to you that you went and you sang it and just put it out there for people to see, you know, that, uh, you know, I guess that's, you know, that's one of the reasons we did it, you know, so people would appreciate it, I, you know, I, I guess. <laughs> well, Jeffrey, Beach Boy fans have a lot to thank you for. I mean, these are great stories and thank you for being in the right place at the right time to come up with some very right, righteous music. We, uh, we love those songs. Well, I'm 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 certainly happy, and it, it it's never you know it still surprises me, you know like how how you know uh, people respond to to the stuff all this time all this time later you know like I'm an old guy now, you know, <laughs> and people are still liking you know that stuff, um, so it makes made it all you know made it worthwhile you know. So, so you were saying when you walked away from from the music business, did you stay in touch with uh, with Carl at all? Yeah, a little bit, but you know, he was you know, he, he was going through stuff. Um, uh, I did see him, uh, uh, you know. But of course, he's like really busy and you know out and about. Um, and he was going through a lot of changes in his personal life. Um, we went to the gym a couple of times together and, you know, it was both of us getting our lives in order, so to speak. Um, and then I did see him um, at a Beach Boy show in Las Vegas. And, you know, we talked about getting together to do something. And, um, um, you know, <sighs> Jesus, it was when he was married to Gina and, and, that was when her brother, you know, crashed his plane into the mountain, you know, Carl said, you know, yeah, we got, I got to get through some, you know, this stuff here. It's just, you know, just happened, you know, and that was, you know, that was it, you know, sure. Sad times for him. Yeah. You know, but my, you know, my heart really, you know, wasn't in it all that much. You know, that's, that's what was, you know, gratifying to, um, you know, I'd watched the Bill Withers um, documentary a few years ago, you know, and there, there, he's somebody who famously said, ah, you know, goodbye, you know, just something, you know, his heart wasn't in it anymore. I mean, you know, part of my problem, you know, was, you know, I guess it was blockage, um, you know, because um, I was really hard, you know, really, really hard on myself, you know, uh, um, in terms of, of writing uh, lyrics, you know, like, you know, it's like going to the dentist, you know, uh, doing dental work on yourself, you know, pulling your own teeth. You know, uh, and that's what it, that's what it was like. So, you know, like nowadays, you know, I, um, you know, like yesterday, I wrote maybe a verse in a part of a chorus and that's there will never be any more to it. Right. It, it, you know, I'm just not going to get back and I'm not going to, you know, I may write one song that nobody will ever hear because I never play it for anybody. Um, maybe one a year I can finish, you know, because I was not prolific at all. Um, cause it was just painstaking for me. Um, so at a certain point you went into the limousine, sorry, lim- limousine yeah. business. I was I was cash poor for a while because I had a child without insurance and turned out to be really expensive. Um, and then I had an operation and the baby had an operation and I needed a gig, um, you know, needed something. To, so I um, was talking to a, the, the guy who had been the drummer in my in, in my band, uh, a guy named Bobby May. Um, and he said, hey, well, I'm working up at the Hotel Bel Air. Uh, in the limousine business, they're looking for somebody. Come on up, you know. So I did. And, you know, the Hotel Bel Air at that time was the uh, number one hotel in the world, supposedly ranked, you know. So I worked there for about three years, and it, it was interesting. Um, and when I, you know, the, I left the Bel Air, went working someplace else, and I, 
uh, you know, it was, well, I, it was a really high-end um, uh, limo driver. So I, I was having conversations with people, you know, like my list, the, the list of people goes on and on and on, you know, uh, of, of people from like uh, Sandra Day O'Connor uh, to... Uh, to uh, White House chiefs of staff, head of the CIA, and so many stars that you know, you, I, I, can, I, I still have to add to my list. Oh, that guy, yeah, I, I drove him. Um, but you know, I have all these conversations with people. That's why you see me on Facebook because I and why I engage all the time because I want to have you know I want to have interesting conversations. <laughs> you know that that you know that I was used to having all the time with like really. Um, influential people you know like well, you you look say, say for example um you know there's a picture of uh, uh lyndon johnson taking the oath of office i drove one of the people in that picture <laughs> jack valenti used to drive him all the time you know well jeffrey we'd love to do another podcast with you you with it you're the little house behind your house <laughs> you and your guitar live no i'm not a very good guitar player let me tell you it's terrible singing the four songs from L.A. Light Album. Uh, <laughs> I, I can sing them all. Uh, look, I, you know, I'm going to be 74 this year. You know, that was a really long time ago. And, you know, it's nice to have a, a, an opportunity to look back, you know, and say, well, you know, yeah, that, that was, that, you know, that was one of my careers, you know. I had different careers, you know. And, and and I did well at it, I guess. You know, I should have stuck with it though. I, but I, you know, what are you going to do? You know, it's kind of late for that now. But that people still appreciate it, and that you asked me to do this is just a, a you know, I'm very I'm grateful. You know, grateful and humbled. Thank you so much, Jeffrey, for joining us today. It was a real thrill to hear you uh, recall your adventures with the boys. I'm sure the fans enjoyed it as well. And, uh, yeah, please come back sometime and uh, sing some songs for us. <laughs> yeah, good luck with that, my friend. <laughs> and thank yeah. you, everyone, for listening. Phil, thank you. Well, you're welcome. I just wanted to say, Jeffrey, thank you for taking us into the studio and into Carl's uh, music room. Um, you know, no one else, there's very few people that could do that because of what you've accomplished. And uh, it's been great hearing those those. Uh, stories thank you uh, it's my my great pleasure thank you guys please come back next time everyone and we will do it again <laughs>